Hello everyone and welcome to episode 107 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and I'll be your host today. Today's episode, as you probably know from the title, um, I am joined by a special guest and on this episode I'll be sharing an interview with Professor Hakeem Adi as part of the ongoing series with the History Matters Journal in order to kind of bring to light the work that they're doing over there and making Black British history a little bit more accessible for the average person. Professor Hakeem Adi is the first black professor of history in the UK. He is a founding member and former chair of the Black and Asian Studies Association, also known as BASA, which was chartered in 1991 um, and was a member of the Mayor of London's Commission on African and Asian Heritage. He's also widely written on the history of Africa and the African diaspora um, and co-founded organisations such as the History Matters Collective and Journal, the Young Historians Project, where he serves as a consultant historian um, and all this work works together with others to challenge the underrepresentation of students and teachers of African and Caribbean heritage within the history discipline. He's currently a professor at the University of Chichester in the UK and teaches on courses related to Africa and the African diaspora and also founded a master's in research in the history of Africa and the African diaspora, um, which is available to take um, up there now. Um, that bio is quite modest to be honest um I could probably do a whole episode on a bio of um Professor Addy um and all the things he has accomplished um so far in making the discipline more accessible um and also allowing people to understand some of the systemic issues that have taken place within education that have led to a lack of um, understanding about uh, black British history, history of the African diaspora and Caribbean diaspora um, as well. And so we'll be talking about all those things uh, in today's episode in the interview. Um, So without further ado, here it is. So today on the History Hotline, we have a very special guest um, who I am very excited to introduce, um, Professor Hakeem Adi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. No worries at all. Now, I feel like this episode is one that I've wanted to do for a really long time, um, just to be able to sit down and speak to you about some of the work you've done um, when it comes to uh, Black British history um, and the History Matters Journal, Young Historians Project, and all these kind of groups and organisations that have been so integral in pushing forward um, curriculum when it comes to Black British history, whether it be in secondary schools or in in further education or higher education. And I just thought at this point we would do some quick fire questions, as we usually do on this podcast, just to get to know you a little bit more and to kind of get an understanding of how you reach this point in your career studying history and doing this work. So with that being said, can you cast your mind back? Was there a moment whereby you kind of decided that history was for you and you were going to pursue this long-term, yeah, thinking back? I was pretty young when I made that decision. Um, Probably a teenager, probably about 13 or 14. Oh, wow. When I first began to uh, kind of investigate, study African history. In fact, at that time, it wasn't even just African history, but actually Africa and the diaspora. Mm. Uh, maybe it wasn't called that. Or I didn't think of it like that. But I, I began to, yeah, kind of investigate all of that when I was about 13 or 14. And, um, you know, for my own 
uh, interest and sense of self and identity and so on. Yeah. And around the same time, I'd always, I had actually always loved history, even as a very small child. You know, my first books were history books mm. um, from, you know, four or five years old. But as a teenager, I began to look into the kind of things I, I look into today. And I decided then that I wanted to be a, um, a school teacher, a history teacher. Yeah. So that's when I really decided that, yeah, I was going to study African history uh, university and yeah, rest yeah is history, as I say. Absolutely. <laughs> as I say, um, do you have, I know you do study quite a, a wide geographical and chronological range. Is there a period that you just think that was wonderful? I really like looking at that particular time period historically. There are a lot of different periods that are, that are fascinating, but I, I suppose the one I, I tend to find myself in the 20th century quite a lot. A lot, yeah. a lot of my work has been on 20th century. Um, and I suppose the, the interwar period, 1920s, 1930s, probably is a period I have spent most time on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's quite an interesting period. I suppose that's the period I'm most familiar with um, in terms of studying and research and so on. But I mean, there are lots of other periods that are um, fascinating for one reason or another. But if I had to pick, I'd probably say, yeah, 1920s, yeah. 1930s, yeah. Okay, nice. And then do you have a favourite historical figure at all? Oh, wow. For any reason, inspirationally, or you resonate with them, or they did something you know, cool. A lot of people, um, I would say probably um, Paul Robeson is probably one, yeah. I'd say. Um, definitely for his politics and his stand in life. Yeah. Um, I did something for BBC History Magazine where I had to propose the world's greatest figure or something like that. Mm. I can't remember exactly how it went now. And I chose Cabral, Amakar Cabral. Okay. Um, as another important figure, yeah. inspirational figure. But you're probably Robeson. I'd probably go with Robeson. Like that, definitely. Um, and is there a figure then, maybe Robeson or somebody else, that you wish more people knew about today? I think probably I'd say Alice Kinloch uh, yeah. is an important figure, a very interesting figure that, that we all need to know more about. I would like to know more about because she's, <laughs> she's a a little bit mysterious in some ways. Yeah. Um, especially in terms of her later life. Um, and, and the fact that she was written out of history for so long. Yeah. But a very important figure, an important woman, and, uh, you know, the kind of founder of modern Pan-Africanism. So, yeah. Wow. Alice Kinloch. Yeah. Most definitely. She sounds like someone we should know more about. Um, and I thought maybe at this point um, we'll start to think about the History Matters Journal and the work that comes before that. Why did you decide to start the History Matters Journal 
um, and what were the kind of steps in the work that came before that? And you can go as far back as you need to. Well, the the work of History Matters as a, a kind of initiative began yeah. in 2014, um, mainly in response to a, a newspaper newspaper public a newspaper article which was about how many uh history teachers black history teachers there were had been trained the previous year Mm. and the article said that in in britain there are only three in training that year yeah the pre or the previous year only three had been trained and this is i can't remember exact figures there's something like sixteen thousand history teachers in britain <laughs> that year only three. Anyway, so that I found quite a shocking statistic, and it, it it sort of prompted me to think not just about history teachers, but about historians, uh, students, number of PhD students, number of under black undergraduates studying history, the whole yeah. thing. You know, it it just kind of brought it home to me it wasn't as if it was Mm. new but it concentrated my mind a little bit and um I thought well this you know this something someone should do something about it this is kind of you know scandalous so we got a group together of there were some PhD students people at that time were doing PhDs there were one or two teachers there were a few of us who were historians. There was a small group of people um, and began to, we wrote a letter, for example, to the Times Educational Supplement. And then we tried to contact various organisations who we thought should be concerned about these kind of statistics and doing something about it, like the Royal Historical Society, Historical Association, uh, Hefke, Hefke at that time had a, I don't know what they called a diversity subcommittee or some some kind of group in Hefke. Yeah. And we wrote, we contacted all of them and said, well, what are you doing about this? And they all said nothing. <laughs> or they all said, what do you mean, do something? Hefke said, what? What do you mean? <laughs> so we said, well, something should be done. And... <clears throat> we should at least discuss what's going on, you know, what's going on, what what's the reason for this. And so we began to do a little bit of research and the statistics and how many students there were and how many historians and all this kind of thing. And then organized um, and kind of, I won't say dragged, but encouraged <laughs> the Royal Historical Society and Historical Association and one or two others to be involved in this conference, which yeah. we held in... April 2015, so eight years ago. Um, And that's kind of the launch of History Matters publicly, you could say. And out of that conference, that was a conference mainly of um, all the speakers were students or teachers speaking about their own experience and so on. And the consequence of that conference was we had a whole kind of raft of resolutions and recommendations and so on. So out of that conference then came Young Historians Project, the 
master's in research program at the University of Chichester um, and actually one or two other things which are not necessarily around at the moment. Um, so that, that kind of put History Matters, you know, that was the work of History Matters. And then part of that was to also to kind of develop um, what people call Black British history, so the, the history of African and Caribbean people in Britain. Yeah. The fact that it's not um, it's not as developed as it needs to be and so on and so forth. So one of the things that was missing from that was a publication, a journal. Um, and the, the original idea of it was to cut, was to kind of re-establish in a way what we used to have with the BASA newsletter. BASA was set up in 1991 um, by myself, Marika Sherwood and others yeah. and ran for so many years. And we had a regular newsletter. It wasn't a journal, it was called a newsletter. But it used to have articles, but it also had other contributions, um, news, information, various things. So the aim of History Matters was to kind of replicate that, but in a, in a sort of 21st century way. Um, having it online, encouraging people, especially those who are working in the area, those who are researching, those who are doing things, should should publicise what they're doing, should you know, promote what they're doing, encouraging people who might be, you know, undergraduates or at school or anybody who's doing anything related to this history should publicise it. And so, so that's really the, the idea of or how History Matters Journal emerged and developed absolutely um i think you kind of answered my second question as well which were like what were the aims that you set out which obviously you've said are kind of linking back to giving people a space that are doing this work already to be able to publish in something and, and have it read by a wide audience um how do you think it's doing in that um in terms of of, of being that space and, and well it's definitely that space and i was just yeah. looking um, you know, the additions um, before we started. And you, you see those people who are carrying out research are writing, and that's yep. what we want. We obviously want more people. There are people, I mean, there are people around, especially after 2020, all these new posts were set up in Oxford, Cambridge, Leeds, Liverpool. <laughs> but what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, nobody knows. So, I mean, why don't they contribute to the journal? Why don't they tell us what they're doing and what their students are doing and encourage their students to contribute? So we need to widen it. We need yeah. to widen the space and get more people involved. And I suppose that's really the task now to, to kind of to do that, to, to develop it in that way, to get more young people involved, uh, people yeah. who are at school, people who are just interested in, and we've done that a little bit, you know, some some of YHP uh, members have contributed, and uh, which is great, and we need more of that as well, um, but also to others. So it's a work in progress, like everything, yeah. and if everybody contributes, everybody promotes it, everybody talks about it, then, you know, it will get more well known. So that's the, you know, the kind of key task, I suppose, at the moment. Absolutely. And you mentioned something quite 
interesting that I wanted to talk to you about anyway with um 2020 and you know those a lot of posts have been kind of created for people and there's this big there was this big push or so it seemed to black British history and you know we've got to do all this stuff um did you notice because history matters journal and ambassador and all this stuff it obviously predates 2020 did you know did you notice doing this work a shift or an increase in interest and and how do you kind of feel that it's gone on as we've kind of moved away from 2020 and and three years on um i mean 2020 was definitely a um significant in the sense that you know as you you remember that during that period especially a lot of the kind of young youth who were involved in those protests and demonstrations, you know, specifically talked about history and what yeah. they were taught or not taught in schools and universities. I even, you know, quoted some of them in my book. Yeah. Um, so that was an important element because it 2020 kind of highlighted the sort of racism and Eurocentrism of Britain you know, what's going on, what's not right, and so on. And so that was, and so many universities responded to that uh, yeah. in different ways. You know, even my own university was forced to make a statement, you know, whatever that was all about. Um, I mean, other universities went a step further and created these posts. But then the question is, what are these posts really all about? Yeah. Are they post actually develop courses and strands and you know and so on and actually develop or are they a little bit more cosmetic? Um, yeah. and because I mean for example, to give the example of, of Goldsmiths, for example, you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, which which I was actually the external whatever advisor for that course. Yeah. And well, what's happened to it? You know, it, it lasts for a few years and it's disappeared. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's always a danger with universities that they do these things for whatever reason, for short-term gain, as it were, or publicity or whatever, and but with no real commitment to them. And, you know, we, we've seen that not just in education, but in other areas and so on. But there's no doubt that, the world is a different place now. And yeah. um, the, the thing is, we have to kind of take advantage of that space and widen it and work within it to, de to develop more um, or to further develop things, I think, and not yeah. never rely on the institutions, the universities, the governments, the whatever, mm. to do things. That's, you know, that's how I would see it. Yeah. Absolutely. How then do you think we best go about things like curriculum change in terms of, you know, if you don't have the people taking it up at GCSE, they're not going to do it at A-level and undergrad and postgrad and what, whatever else and become historians and lecturers um, when, I guess, the majority for most people of their education comes from the education system that is, you know, challenged by the government. Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult question <clears throat> which we've been grappling with for uh, about 35 years maybe longer than 35 years actually if you look, <laughs> if you look at the history of it yeah it definitely goes back to the early 1970s mm -hmm. 
but I mean, personally, I've been grappling with it for about 35 years. And, <laughs> you know, we used to put a lot of concentration on the national curriculum. Yeah. Um, and some headway was made in that area, definitely. But today it's a little bit more complicated because most schools, especially most secondary schools, are academies. Mm. Academies don't have to follow the national curriculum. So that's kind of shifted the goalposts, as it were. Um, <clears throat> and I think the, the key thing is really to, um, you know, to educate people generally. So yeah. that means, you know, students, it means parents, it means teachers, it means everybody. That, you know, there is a problem about history and the way it's presented um, and it needs to change. And that is a big fight. It's not just a fight within the education system, as it were. It's, you know, a wider kind of political fight, you could say, yeah. about how history is presented in Britain, why it's presented in such a Eurocentric manner, whose interest does that serve, and all these kinds of questions. And so... <clears throat> Taking up that question on on the broadest front, as it were, um, in the kind of research that we do, in the writing that we do, in the History Matters Journal, in Young Historians Project, in on TV, on wherever, on radio, in podcasting, and everywhere, yeah. is very very crucial. Um, but then you also need <clears throat> um, to do that in a kind of organised way to have places where you can do that. Um, and so History Matters Journal is one of those places. You know, Young Historians Project is one of those places. And then there will be others. And the key thing always is to kind of try and work together. And sometimes you have a lot of people who are all sort of chipping away at things, but in isolation from each other. So it's always good if people can link up and to can work together and to kind of solve these problems. But it's anyway, it's a big problem to, to resolve. And it, it it's reflective of the whole education system and whose interests it actually serves. And yeah. These are, you know, big, big questions. Absolutely. But I think you've raised an important point that it's a lot of people needing to be chipping away at something much bigger by way of things like the History Matters Journal. YHP, which is a, a really good platform and space for young people to, you know, come together as have history as a hobby and do that kind of research and do that work. And um, even if they're not necessarily going for historical careers or careers within the field, they can kind of continue that. Because I think, annoyingly for me, I always think that black history is always so politicized when actually it's just really interesting across the board whether you like Caribbean history African history or the history of those diasporas in Britain or America it's just interesting and for for us in YHP you know we spend our Sunday mornings and Thursday evenings and whatever else because we just love history and it denies so many young people of a really interesting and, and wide range in education when you you know don't allow them to to do this kind of work and do this kind of have this education in schools. It's quite frustrating, really. No, that's absolutely right. And, I mean, it is, as you say, it's just history. I mean, it's not, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, 
no more, no less than that. Um, but I mean, it does play, or the, let's say the absence of it yeah. does play a big part in people's lives because mm -hmm. you grow up as if you don't exist or your family doesn't exist or people yeah. look like you don't exist or are presented in only a negative way. And that has a big impact on people, not just on black people, on everybody, because you have a distorted view of the world and your place in it and your power and your agency and all these kinds of things, which are very, very important. So, um, you know, you could say, like, not allowing people to actually understand, to learn, to embrace their history is... Um, I was going to say, so like a form of child abuse, <clears throat> yeah. you know, because you, you're growing up in a society which is denying your kind of existence, your history. Your, I mean, it's, a very, it's like a massive attack on people's identity, on people's whole being. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, it's, it is a very political thing, the absence mm. of it, and the, the right to have it. It's, it's, it is a right, you know, to... to just like having your anything, your language, your culture, your history, and so on. So it's very, very important. Um, and as far as YHP is concerned, you know, we, we would love to expand it. Yeah. You know, if we can have, you know, 300 people or 3,000 people, great. Yeah. Um, and you could say that's a kind of aim. You have a YHP which is, you know, doing all kinds of things and different projects and all over the yeah. place and so they're fine mm. obviously we need the the people to do that the training to do it the resources to do it and so step by step yeah we can we can we can work to do that absolutely just for anyone that doesn't know or has been living under a rock and not listened to any of these past episodes um do we just talk about what yhp is um the young historians project and um i know you've already spoken about how it kind of came out of um history matters collective and the work there but um outside of that what were the kind of specific aims for yhp in its creation well the, the aim of it was to to have something for young people to kind of assist young people of African and Caribbean heritage to engage with history, to, to have yeah. a history that they could engage with, could be excited about, could get involved in, and could find out more about things that interested them that maybe they weren't finding out at school or at university or wherever on TV, mm. to find out these things to and then to present them their yeah. peers to other young even not so young people to say well this is what we found here it is and presented in an exciting and interesting way whether it's a mural it's an exhibition it's a podcast it's a film it's a whatever so that was the basic aim of it um and of course over the last eight years we you know developed it stage by stage um it's, it's bigger now than it was and we've got people all over the country and it, and of course with all of that bring that brings its own challenges and things you, problems you have to solve and keeping everyone involved and all this kind of thing but the key the key thing about yhp is that it's it's the members who who decide all these things who solve all these problems who do all this work um, but yeah. it's been like that from the beginning 
Um, and that's his great strength. You know, it's, it's an organization of young historians solving the problems that confront young people in this country, which is, you know, a lack of engagement or a lack of enthusiasm about history. So it's dealing with those issues and problems. And also um, doing very important research that nobody else is doing. So, you know, when we did even the work on Black Liberation Front, okay, there are a few people writing about it, but, you know, we actually did research, interviewed people, produced a film, produced exhibition, all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And similarly on African women. Nobody writes about African women in Britain. Nobody. Yeah. No, there's no research. So for the first time, okay, YHP did this research. African women in healthcare, interviewed them, did original research, found out all kinds of people who were nurses and doctors and this and that 100 years mm-hmm. ago and presented it. Everybody can come and look at it and, you know, it's... Um, and that, that's also very important that you make research public. There's no yeah. point doing with some research and it's in some journal somewhere nobody can find it or it's hidden somewhere we want everybody to see it and to use it and to learn from it and to be enthusiastic about it so that's what YHP is all about and of course in the in the course of doing these things um you know young people are becoming or training themselves as historians because they're doing archival research they're interviewing people they're learning how to make films, how to make exhibitions, how to do podcasts, how to develop murals, how to do to how to speak in public, how to organize themselves, how to change the situation from what it was to what they want it to be. And that's also very important. And we hope that people I think that people may not be with YHP forever, but then maybe they can be involved in other things or in history yeah. matters or doing something else or organizing a conference or doing a PhD or doing some other research. Or... So it's contributing in that way yeah, well, to the, the problems that we're trying to solve. Definitely. It's multifaceted mm-hmm. in its reach and in its kind of the way in which it will have an, a positive impact. But I think one of the important ones you mentioned is is making these histories that then are, first of all, underserved, more accessible because there's no point doing all that work and, as you said, having it somewhere behind a paywall or where nobody can access it um, or in an inaccessible form because not everybody, um, you know, has the time or, or the, the means to to take in articles and, and things of that nature. Um, but the great thing about History Matters is that it's online. It's free to download. You just need a device, a phone, a tablet, a laptop, and you've got a PDF and you can read it at your own um, disposal. You can print it if you'd like it. Or you can read it on your screen. It's so simple. Um, so if you are listening now, um, you know, please do access that. All the links will be in the show notes for the episode. I just say the other thing, if people are looking at it for the first time uh, or even the second time or the third time, you know, it's great to have people's comments um, you know, we tend to th- often we tend to think of history as a uh, what's the word like a like a, a commodity in the sense that it's something served like on a plate and you consume <laughs> it, but it's really a you know like a process an interaction between 
people. So we need people's comments. What what do they like? What is useful? What's not useful? What are they doing? Yeah. What do they think about this? What is it? Maybe they know something about something that's mentioned in one of the articles or they even know somebody who's mentioned in one of the articles. So we need people to kind of feedback, um, to give their views, to give their comments, to give their suggestions. And we can, you know, we're happy to print things that people say or requests that people have or information that people need. Or yeah. So we want to make it more of a... Um, you know, like a, a something which is which is a, a conversation, a discussion. Yeah, a discussion is a better way of looking at it. A discussion, not just a presentation of, of articles and book reviews and other information, but people also sending in their own ideas, information, and what they're doing and that kind of thing as well. Absolutely, it's wonderful, um, and yeah, needed if you have any kind of. Uh, comments or anything you can email the history matters journal um or you can reach out to them on their socials which will all be in the show notes for the episode if you need that um i was just wanting to also talk about um some of your work in regards to your book which is another way that history can be more accessible um in all 676 pages um of african and caribbean people in britain a history which came out september 2022 mm-hmm. um and it kind of tracks exactly that african and caribbean people in britain from as early as the roman era to a kind of today you look at um black lives matter and that movement um which is the first book that's done that and has that such wide range in scope um in terms of time period and people covered and, and organizations and events and and all that stuff so why not why did you write this book but why did you feel now was the time or you know when it you decided to to start working on it um why was now necessary and um kind of what do you decide to include and and not to uh well that's i mean the, the question about when and why and how is really <laughs> um You'd have to ask Penguin the answer. Oh. <laughs> They're the ones who asked me to write it. Um, nice. I can't remember. They may have told me why, but I can't remember yeah. what they said such a long time ago. So that was really the what um, gave me the opportunity to write it, the fact that I was I was asked to, to write it. And I was happy to, to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tried to... Um, as you say, kind of sum up the history as far as one could. In fact, even going back to, you know, 10,000 years ago. Um, <laughs> so when you look at it like that, you know, 10,000 years or even 2,000 years of history, then nearly 700 pages isn't, isn't very much. But, um, <laughs> you know, it is. there's quite a lot there. And one of the important things was to provide you know references for people so if people are particularly interested in something I may not have been able to spend very much time on yeah they can find you know books articles websites other information they can look into so that was one aim to provide that kind of information and then um, the other was to try to build on the work that you know Peter Fry did with staying power 
um, in the sense that, you know, Stang Power was written in 1984, which is, uh, whatever it is, uh, 40 years ago. Mm. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah next um, year. So it's quite a long time ago. So th- the thing is that there's been a lot of research since yeah. that. And so the aim of the book was to try and reflect that research as far as possible. And so that, in a way, dictated what was in the book. So it, where people have done work, that is included in the book. There, there are obviously some areas where there hasn't been so much work. For example, the 21st century, there's, there's some work, but not that much yet. Yeah. Um, I tried to say something about the 21st century, as you say, and you know, Black Lives Matter and the aftermath of Stephen Lawrence mm-hmm. murder and various other issues, um, you know, so-called Windrush scandal and all these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but the, the main thing is to try to, yeah, to, to present the latest research and fill in the gaps, as it were, since 1984. So that's really the, the aim of it. And then there were some things which I thought needed to be done a little bit differently. Yeah. So, for example, in Peter Fry's book, he spends a lot of time talking about um, sort of racism and ideas of uh, kind of pseudo-scientific racism and all that kind of thing. So there's no point. I mean, that was a lot, actually quite a large part of staying power. Um, so there's no need to do that. So what I did was to do things like look at anti-racism yeah. And what is the history of anti-racism? Not in great depth, but at least to begin presenting that. Because I thought it was very important to... Because um, the history of racism, um, as it were, is really the history of, um, like, the enemy. Yeah. So who wants to know? <laughs> yeah. Who wants to know? We know what they're up to. <laughs> but then we need to know, okay, what... And that... If you're not careful, that kind of distorts things a little bit because people then think, "Oh, yeah, Britain's a very racist um, place, and you know everybody's very racist or whatever they think." Mm. But obviously, where you have that attack on people, you also have the resistance. Yeah. And so the history of anti-racism, which goes back, you know, as long as there's racism, there was anti-racism. People saying well this is you know ridiculous and so on so I, anyway so i try and present that in different ways throughout the book obviously right up to the present moment and, and black lives matter which is the latest manifestation of it so there are things like that um we are included um and various struggles of that kind but yeah that's that that's the essence of what is included yeah in your research process or maybe even writing was there anything that you were coming across that was shocking to you whether it was like you could things you you access or you couldn't access or things that you you learned about or knew about that you just thought I didn't I didn't know that was that way or I would well having said that um I tried to concentrate on (laughs) anti-racism um actually the levels of racism actually Mm. shocked me yeah. Um, even though I, I kind of knew it all before, you could say. But when you spend, you know, such a long time writing about these things over, 
particularly the last century or so, yeah. um, the 20th century in particular, 20th century is quite startling, startling, yeah, shocking. Mm-hmm. The, the levels of, you know, state racism, which is like the main form of racism, is quite unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even if you just look at like Stephen Lawrence case, it's absolutely, yeah. you, you cannot, you couldn't make it up. Yeah, you know, for whatever it is now, the best part of thirty years, it's yeah. going on and on and on, and you can say like inquiry after inquiry and so on, mm. and all the, the the other thing about these inquiries is they always bring up something new, <laughs> um, some new aspect of it's just incredible, uh, yeah. and you you think of the impact that has had. Um, on everybody in the country over, you know, and, and what people have had to do. And, um, yeah, that was quite um, sort of shocking, actually, to, 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 to present that over so many years and see uh, the state acting in that way. And then, you know, you have obviously modern examples like yeah. Windrush scandal or like over you know, Colston or whatever, these things. And it's like, uh, <laughs> it, it just shows you how kind of rotten yeah. the whole system is. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the government and, you know, the way the police operate and, you know, all the kind of institutions of the state are completely rotten. Yeah. Absolutely, all need to be completely, you know, <laughs> wiped away. You got it out again uh, with something modern and new, which actually looks after the interests of people and so on. Um, and I mean, I think now we've almost got to the stage where, um, you know, probably the majority of people in the country recognize that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's becoming more and more exposed. Um, I mean, there's some things like, you know, the case of, like, Winston True, for example, in the Oval Four. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> like I say, you couldn't invent it. It's, it's no. Somebody wrote it. It's, no, nah, it couldn't happen. Somebody can mm-hmm. spend 50 years mm. trying to, um, you know, clear their name. Yeah. When everybody, yeah, it must be, it must have been clear to, you know, the whole of the Metropolitan Police, the judiciary, the governments for 50 years, that this is a miscarriage. Yeah. So then, you you know, you conclude from that, as I say, just how rotten everything is. Mm. Um, you can't have any faith or confidence or any trust in any, any of this. Then it's mm. got rid of. Yeah. So anyway, that's, anyway, that's the answer to your question. Mm. No, that makes sense. Was there a shift then maybe going from the 20th century to the 21st. I'm just thinking about maybe racism then. I know that's not what the book is about, but... I wouldn't say there's a shit. No, I would no, say still... there's a continuation. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a continuation. I think what you have now in the 21st century is, and I think Black Lives Matter was a very good example of that, is that yeah. the vast majority of people, as was has generally been the case in Britain's history. Um, this is the other thing, because if you 
you know, in the book, I talk about the 18th century and the struggle against human trafficking. Yeah. Which is a kind of fascinating period in Britain's history because it was such an enormous movement. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, a kind of mass movement involving, you know, all sects of the population, workers, particularly workers, women, mm. you know, the intellectuals and others, you know, the whole country. Yeah. Uh, people signing petitions in their millions. Mm. It's it's actually one of the great moments in Britain's history. And so nobody ever talks about it. Mm. It's completely hidden as if it never happened. But what it demonstrates is the, the basic kind of anti-racism and, you know, kind of humanity of, of people in Britain. Mm. So then... Um, Black Lives Matter was very similar in the sense that literally from Land's End to John O'Groats in the smallest villages, places you'd never heard of, people, even I'm down here in the middle of Kent and I was, you know, watching these things, Black Lives Matter, and then I'd find out, oh, well, actually, in the next town, (laughs) I didn't even know anything about it. Yeah. So literally everywhere, People mm. came out and said, you know, enough is enough. Yeah. So this, again, expresses the kind of general sentiments of, you know, probably the vast majority of people. And then obviously in some places you have people say, look, we had enough of this, you know, this <laughs> criminal uh, being <laughs> publicly exhibited in our city. It's, just, it's disgraceful. You know, we're not going to accept mm. it anymore. Let's get rid of it and throw it in the in the sea or whatever. Which is a very, you know, um, democratic and um, what can you say, like kind of principled thing to do. To say, look, this is, we've been trying for so many years to rid ourselves of this, you know, this disgusting thing and so. And then the reaction of the powers that be to all that, it's yeah. oh no 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 no. Personally, we can't have that kind of thing, you know. No, no, these are very important, these criminals. And and it again, it shows you the difference between the vast majority of people in the country and then those who govern yeah. and their interests and their orientation and their sentiment on everything is just completely as it is on everything. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. so yeah, it's it's. Uh, so I think in the twenty first century, these things have become even sharper in a way, and that's why we're seeing over history, you know, much more of a struggle because you know people want something new; they want something that you know reflects how people are in the twenty first century, whereas yeah. the powers that be want to take us back to the nineteenth century. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't do that. That's uh, shocking. You know, we've got to have some, you know, criminal there, and <laughs> and you you just see this kind of struggle between the old and the new. Mm, absolutely, that makes sense. Definitely. Oh, that's a good, really good answer. Thank you for that. Um, I was just thinking in terms of your next publications, if you want to talk about them. Um, and work that is coming out and, and how that kind of continues to, to add to this um, ever-growing body of work on, on the diaspora in, in Britain? Well, the next thing that will come out will be um, 
come out in July and is called Many Struggles. Um, I think it's called New Histories of African and Caribbean People in Britain. Uh, we published by, by Pluto. And it's a collection of essays, articles, essays that came out of the last History Matters conference. Um, again, from young, as we say, young and emerging historians, m most of them, the vast majority, those of African and Caribbean heritage. Yeah. So it has chapters, things are from 18th century, different parts of the country, um, to 20th century, um, where people are writing on women, on uh, student organizations, on various aspects of black power, on black parents' movement, on, uh, yeah, a whole variety. I think we've got like 15 chapters. Yeah. And we've also got contributions from uh, some of those who spoke in the conference who were involved with the Black Liberation Front, uh, Tony Suarez, Hansel Wong, Zainab Abbas. Um, so we've got a massive variety of work, some of it from members of Young Historians Projects, from others who are doing PhDs, a couple of things from a couple of, uh, you can say, emerging young younger historians so yeah we've got a whole range yeah. there so yeah we hope that all new stuff we hope it'll be useful and interesting for people and um yeah we'll 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 launch it in july and hope that it's popular and then we'll try and hold uh, the next history matters conference uh not this autumn but autumn 24 yeah the the call will be out for that soon and you know we'd love to people to get involved and to speak and to publicize their work and we'll do our best to make sure that that's published as well because uh, yeah. that aim is always to publish this great work that people are doing get more people to read it and to um, learn from it and to encourage other people to um, yeah, to, to read about, to research, to find out about the history of African and Caribbean people in Britain. Absolutely. Um, definitely makes sense. And the fact that I guess it's people that have gone up through the ranks of YHP or History Matters on the editorial team that are now, you know, in the place to, to write these essays for this collection. It, it just shows that that work that that's, that's been done has been fruitful in a sense that they're now in a position to to write work that is you know publishable and and people will be able to to buy that book and, and read it um i think it's available for pre-order at the moment um it comes out on the 5th of july so it will be shipped then you can get that on the pluto press website if that is something of interest to you um i'll definitely well mine's already pre-ordered so oh, not a problem you. there <laughs> um i think in closing um and just to kind of to summarise, um, I will signpost people to everything that we've spoken about in terms of books, journals, subscribing and that kind of thing. Um, but I wondered if you had any final words that you wanted to add. I think to you know, encourage people to 
as I, as I said before, to contribute to it. Uh, yeah. Nothing is too small, you know. Um, we we publish, you know, book reviews and so on, which are not that long. But anyone who's doing anything or has an interest or has a, a view or an idea um, about an individual or an organisation or has a photo or a document or something they want to say should definitely contribute and see themselves as contributing to the, the, the journal. If yeah. people want to join the editorial working group, then again, they can write in. We're always eager to have more uh, hands on deck and people contributing. Uh, certainly those who are, you know, students or doing PhDs or teaching or whatever who are interested in this history should definitely get involved. You know, it's something mm. for all of us to be involved in. If you think the history is important, then you should be involved in doing something about it. Absolutely. And I, I always say that to be a historian, it's not enough to just research and write. You mm. have to be doing more, more than that because mm. you know our history is not like it's not like just uh, sort of Tudors and Stuarts it's, mm. it's a history that has to be fought for yeah. and promoted and um, yeah we have to be we have to be active on promoting it and working on it and developing it and developing it more and encouraging others and uh, not shut away in ivory towers or even ebony towers. <laughs> working to find ways of encouraging others. And if we have made some advances ourselves, then what are we doing to encouraging to encourage other younger people to get involved, to take up these problems for solutions? So that's how I always look at things. We want more people to be involved. It's not like an exclusive club or sect <laughs> yeah. like some academic historians have where they they think only certain people can be involved everyone should be involved mm -hmm. absolutely so yeah if you've got ideas or you're not sure how you can get involved write in and we'll definitely be willing to discuss and to chat and to suggest things absolutely brilliant thank you so much for that um and i think that is everything to talk about today thank you so much for joining me on the podcast um thank you for giving your time um been a fantastic interview really really enjoyed it and I'm really well, happy that you've been here thank welcome you welcome anytime thanks for inviting thank me thank you no thank you so much thank you for listening to the history hotline if you've enjoyed this episode please tell a friend to tell a friend to continue the conversation about black history head over to our social media platforms at the history hotline on instagram and at the history hl on twitter